Mike Seibert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. And for the last 200 episodes, this has been a pop culture show from the Seattle area focusing on spotlight interviews, independent music, and occasionally more. And uh, this week is no different as we ramp up our coverage leading into Cracklefest 9 happening Friday, March 15th at Hard Rock Seattle during Emerald City Comic Con weekend. Kyle Stevens returns to the show to talk about that upcoming show as well as reflecting on the 10 year anniversary of Nerd Rock and the release of Kirby Crackle's debut album. And speaking of tell you what let's just get right to it from their 2009 self-titled debut here's kirby crackles classic ode to the code it's a tune called up up down down kyle stevens is next you're listening to mike cybert radio up up down down left right left right ba select start i'm trying to unlock your heart from years of walls and when hyrule falls i'm hoping that the things i do are working to connect with you i see that you're free with my shot i'd like for you to know my name they call me box 138 i think we are due for a walk like me, you pull from the middle, skip the books up on the top. So up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a select start. I'm trying to unlock your heart from years of walls. And when Hyrule falls, I'm hoping that the things I do are working to connect with you. I wish I could know what you dream. Are you flying high without a care? Do people often stop and stare? Cause you're both a girl and a fan. I bet it's hard to join the rest with fanboys staring at your chest. So up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Be a select start. I'm trying to unlock your heart from years of walls. And when Hyrule falls, I'm hoping that the things I do are working to connect with you. And even though it's improbable, it seems that this could go my way. I should take a risk, then like Wilson Fisk, be the kingpin of this day. Then you turn around and say hello, and everything's okay. Talked about while sipping on a Guinness down until we drove back to your place. I said we should do it again. That's when you stand me 
choking me for weeks And then you shoved me in your house Punched me hard right in the mouth And warned me that I shouldn't scream Or you got me like Wolverine The state of turnout kinda sucked I thought I was getting lucky Not cut up in little bits Served up as your favorite dish She's a man-eater, I'm toast Just like the song from Holland Oats Influenced by the temptations Played on the 60s in every station I don't know where the song will end But I don't care because I'm dead Whoa, because I'm dead Whoa, because I'm dead Whoa, because I'm dead Whoa, because I'm dead Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and joining me for this uh, very special commemoration is my favoriteest guest that I've ever had on the show. I go way back with this guy, uh, back to the KGRG days and beyond. Um, uh, Kirby Crackle is one of those bands that I started off as a fan and then um, eventually has uh, grown to become an ally of and a promoter of, and I feel like that's that's kind of one of my uh, legacies here in radio and podcasting is kind of helping to spread the good word of nerd rock and joining me now to commemorate 10 years of nerd rock and Crackle Fest 9 uh, coming up. Uh, please give it up for the mastermind of the pioneers of nerd rock. It's Kyle Stevens. How are you doing, my friend? My friend, so happy to be here. My, your favoriteist. You're done favoritist. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I, wow. figure, I figure it has it just by quantity <laughs> because there there are yes. <laughs> there are a few uh, musicians and artists and, and other types that I've talked to a number of times. Like, you know, it's like uh, coming up in the next couple weeks, I'm going to be talking to uh, Chris Waffle from Megathruster. Uh, I think this would be like Great. time number three or four, uh, him on the podcast. Awesome. But, but like I said, I mean, going back to... I, I think we did our first conversation back on uh, KGRG back in like uh, 2015, I think, yeah. which, you know, and so. and and again, it's um, it's one of those experiences where I came to it as a fan. and I'm like, hey, hey, friends at this college radio station, how about we play some of this? And I, you know, I, um, I had a buddy of mine who was a huge Green Lantern fan. Um, so I'm playing ring capacity for him. I, uh, had a buddy that was huge into Fallout. So I rolled Vault 101 for him. And yeah, it was just like the, this whole, uh, arm of nerd music discovery that all of, uh, you know, like my new friends at the college radio station really hadn't been exposed to. And it, it kind of led to a, a good run of us, you know, helping uh, promote some shows and kind of get the word out there. And now that I'm here doing the uh, solo podcast thing, I'm, I'm really glad to uh, continue to be an ally for nerd rock and nerd music and to uh, kind of much like I do with, you know, independent rock and other types of independent art, I, I like to be an ally for the scene. It just, uh, it, it, it's a really good feeling. And you are, man, and I really appreciate it. You've always been great to me and, and to what I do and to indie musicians in general for mm -hmm. years. And that goes a long way because we know doing a podcast and doing radio and, and lining all these things up is not easy to do week to week, but it takes having a passion. And, um, 
And and because of this passion, much like our administration, we have so many roles unfilled in the Nerd Rock <laughs> cabinet that um, now you can either be bishop or secretary of Nerd Rock. It's up to you. Whatever Ooh. you do. I uh, I do like Bishop. He was uh, he was one of my favorite X Men of the '90s. You know, he had the sporty neckerchief going oh, yeah, on there. Yes, he did. You know, he had yes, had he the did. had that sweet Jerry curl going on. He had like this just this slick mullet. It was like a glorious uh, '90s mullet. And uh, yeah, no, I always thought Bishop was pretty cool. So I I, I will be yeah. the I will be the Bishop. You'll be the Bishop. Okay, we'll get a uh, M face tattoo for you. And as long as we're on the subject, it can't go without noting that I think it was a couple months ago on the mm-hmm. internet. Uh, for a day, it was blowing up the comic threads on Twitter that uh-huh. someone posted a picture of Bishop's '90s costume side <laughs> by side with a cover of a TV guide in the '70s or '80s of Gary Coleman with literally the same color coded outfit on. Oh, get out of here with like the the no. bl- the the blue jumpsuit and the yellow striping yep. and all that. Wow! In the, sa- in the same place and a red neckerchief. Granted, Gary Coleman was also wearing a, a conductor hat and on a toy train, which does <laughs> not go with X Men canon. But no, uh, Will, Will Spertasio, they're like, Will, what did you do here? And I don't even think he responded. <laughs> like I don't know, like. 20 years later, you're found out. It was so damn funny. Oh, man, you add that to the swipe file. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you what, man, it's it's really good to chat with you again because I think, I mean, mean, we've had some correspondence and some conversations uh, more recently having to do with Crackle Fest, but I don't think you've been on the show since last year when we were promoting Crackle Fest 8. So I don't, I don't think I have, and I feel like we. I mean, not that we just talked, but I feel like mm-hmm. Crackle Fest just happened, and here we are again. Time is moving at a, at a at a at a faster rate, I would say, at an accelerated pace, to be sure. So let's yeah. um, b- before we unpack Crackle Fest nine and you know the the tenth anniversary of Kirby Crackle, let's uh let's uh let's go a little more local, and um, since it has been a year, and you know there's there's been a new record, and you're doing all kinds of other uh, neat cool stuff what's uh what has been the last 365 days what's been what's been the last year uh going on with kirby crackle all right downloading for my mental hard drive three two <laughs> one okay uh well a lot's been going on um reformatted my live band uh some people kind of moved on to other things in their lives so reformatted with a new drummer and a new bass player and glad to have them on board and uh actually after crackle fest going back to my former drummer so there's been some shuffling so it's been a lot of learning songs you got six records worth of songs and uh that's like 80 something songs that everyone needs to be up on so um we take about two-thirds of those and we spend twice or once a week about three hours a night working on these things. So a lot of getting the live band up. Um, and because of that, I knew we weren't going to put out a new full band record where everyone had the mental capacity to both learn new songs and write a new record. So I wrote a full on acoustic record called Suburban Hearts Vigilante Hymns uh, that I put out this past summer. And it's really different for what I do, but I really want to do something stripped, stripped down. I mean, I felt like I got the loudest I can get. And just like in any kind of like live set, if you, if you picture this, maybe the live set of, Kirby Crackle's life, this is kind of like the slow down before the next big peak comes. So I kind of got that out of my system. Uh, played a release show at the Triple Door. Mm-hmm. And now we're working on the hardest stuff I've ever written. So that's kind of a fun parallel going on. 
Um, I've just kind of really been getting my drop D and Soundgarden vibes on lately, kind of like uh, North of the Wall and uh, um, The Yellow King, and yeah. that's kind of fun. Um, did a lot of solo shows at conventions where it's just me kind of with a bunch of rappers, so I started performing with a laptop for my more R&B-based songs. And uh, I started doing stand-up comedy with a bunch of friends of mine that took a class and this kind of gang of weirdos keeps on doing dates and putting together these independent shows together. And that's been a big challenge for me and also very um, growing for me. So that has been uh, really fun in a different kind of way. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to, you know, kind of take a peek at what you're doing on the social media. It's like, you know, doing those solo shows, doing the stand up. And it's it's cool to have all of these different tools in your arsenal. And I would imagine I mean, I'm not the artist, but uh, I, I would imagine it, it prevents you from getting bored. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like I never want to feel like I'm going through the motions, and I've never really felt like that with Kirby Crackle, but when I get close to that feeling, or a warning bell goes off in my head, and I'm like, okay, let's learn something new. Let's make this fun in a different way, and not just for me, but for you know people like yourself who have been advocates and allies and, and the community of, of what I do for years that – you know, doing stand-up comedy has made me a little more comfortable, say, with in-between song banter on stage where, where you know, I like going boom, boom, boom in the set list, but every once in a while it's nice to stop and tell a story. And I, and I really haven't ever been that comfortable with that. But um, what this has done is kind of helped me slow down and kind of get a little better with pacing uh, if we're talking about showbiz and <laughs> trying, to, trying to help <laughs> with that. And uh and then, and I also started um, sitting in with this cover band once a month, and that's kind of fun. It's just a singer playing songs from the '70s, and and just kind of using a different kind of frontman muscle. And so, oh, this is all leading to somewhere, and I don't know where this is all going, but I like to think it's all just trying to be making Kirby Crackle better. I got gotcha. you. That uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool, and you know, I I've noticed that as I've gotten older myself, I kind of pay attention to some of the bands that I'm still with and still fans of, and what I've found is kind of the common denominator is that like they continue to grow and develop along with me. Like, uh, I just, yeah. uh, on, on the other side of the spectrum, I have a, a coworker, um, who's, uh, uh probably in her, uh, mid twenties who is like a, a diehard Taylor Swift fan. And, right. and her thing is like, she's been listening to Taylor Swift records since she was like 10. So her, entree into that type of music and that particular artist hit her at a big bad way you know in childhood but now as she's gotten older and has become an adult so has taylor swift as an artist you know it's like they they've yeah. they've kind of grown together and it's yeah. so so the stuff that she listens to now that's more current is you know obviously um a lot different than some of that early stuff but it uh it, it really kind of blew my hair back a little bit just to think about it from that perspective and i i kind of think about that from a certain perspective with my relationship with Kirby Crackle's music you know it's like mm. it's 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 like 
you know, 2009, when when you guys hit the scene, you know, we're you know we're doing songs about you know uh, Mario Karts and and thinly veiled uh, Marvel Comics references, and and it's great and it's wonderful and it gives you a lot of stuff to hang on to. Um, but then, like uh, your latest record, I really dug because of just how personal it was. It it felt to me like you had a lot to say and I was at a spot in my life where I was down to hear it. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, man, that makes sense. And thank you. And that's, I mean, that's the hope for any artist when they put out their art is that, you know, people who've always been there don't dismiss it and, and say, you know, for example, I'll speak to my situation personally is, you know, there uh, often when people come to the convention table or something, they go, "Hey, your new record's great, but your record from 2010—that's the best one you're ever going to do, right?" And so I would hope that's not true, <laughs> but but I, I never dismiss those feelings because that record means something to that person, right? And like, and I, I've seen bands do that my whole life where they say, "Oh, our, our earlier stuff isn't as good as our new stuff." It's like, well, but when you do that, you're, you know talking against someone's taste and someone's personal experience with your art. Yeah. So I'm just thankful people kind of clue in wherever they clue in, whether it's the new record or it's the old stuff. And of course, when someone says that as an artist, as a creative person, you think like, wow, is that, is that the best, you know, is that, is that really my best record? But you can't go to that place cause you're not that person anymore and you can't write that record again. Right. And thank goodness you already wrote it and you have it. So, right. It's still it's still yours. Just because it's not new doesn't mean you can't play the songs or they matter to people. Hopefully they matter more because time has gone on. And, you know, where you're saying is this record clued into to your life. I know that the stripped down sound wasn't a lot of what people expected, mm-hmm. but I've had multiple people. Uh, I say, you know, I say I've sold less of this record than I have my last record. But sure. the personal messages and emails that I've received have landed more with me than financial gain, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes total sense. And I wonder if that's kind of part of the artist's journey also, where it's like, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, we're all trying to pay bills, and that is that is definitely yeah. a very real thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's also something to be said uh, for a more intimate connection as opposed to maybe a broader appeal. Yeah, I care about having life relationships. You know, my my hope is that, you know, I'm not the same as I was, you know, 10 years ago. And I hope my fans weren't the same as they were 10 years ago. And we will always be able to have those songs about Teabag and Mario Kart and Halo and all that stuff like that. But also sometimes it's it's kind of okay to sing songs about mental health or sing songs about, about kind of not knowing what you're doing because no one really knows what we're doing. And we're all just trying to figure it out. And I think that that to me now feels what I want to speak to along with these other songs that I've done. Yeah. And, you know, let's, uh, you know, since we're there and I, I kind of took us in a a different order than, than I was thinking, but, um, why don't you talk about, uh, your latest record, um, a little more and kind of, kind of maybe what, uh, what, what went into that? Yeah. Um, so Suburban Hearts, Vigilante Hymns, it was a it was a concept that I've had for a long time, but they were kind of sound like two different records to me. So it's the record is Suburban Hearts, then a slash Vigilante Hymns. And I, I just kind of wanted to, I don't know, I, I always tell my wife, I'm in love with songs that I call grocery store songs. And these are songs that you can go to any Albertsons or Safeway or Kroger or whatever, and it's the same 
songs. There's, there's a Venn diagram of which they all cross, and they're songs that will always just kind of be in the mind of suburbia, I think, because of what they speak to, even subconsciously, even if you don't even know what's playing over the intercom when you're shopping, the message kind of connects with you. And that's my goal. I want to create songs. I mean, of course I would love quote unquote a hit, but I want to have songs that are lasting. And so to me, what suburban hearts vigilante hymns was, was a bunch of songs that, um, you know, my, circumstance with my live band at the time was not going to work to record it with them. But I think in the long run, it worked out really well because what it did is it cut down to just two brush strokes, which is acoustic guitar and voice. And I think as I got further into recording it, Oh, I know I started to get really nervous about putting it out because I felt like it was really exposed, but I needed to, as time went on, I needed to give trust to that in that when I felt like that in the past, it's worked out really well for me. And, but in the moment, it never feels great, you know, because there's like, you get a little anxious, whether that is this something people want to hear? Is this a little too personal? Is it going to make people uncomfortable? But I have to put trust into the things that I was choosing to sing about were kind of a common experience going on, you know, kind of a, a, well, you know, we've all partied in, in comic land and comic cons owning the world for 10 years now. Now, what does that mean now? Where do we go from here? Uh, where do you go if maybe you're not feeling so great about the current administration and, and being able to not be in a place with your family to even talk about that? Um, what do you do when you feel changes happening with you and, and being okay with maybe not having the energy level or, or the mental capacity because now you're a new parent? Like all these, all these things I kind of want to touch into and hope that the people I wrote them for would feel like they were not so unlike themselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, one thing that I had shared with you uh, relatively recently is that I, for my ear, it almost sounded like a Kyle Stevens album as opposed to a Kirby Crackle album. But then I I gave it another spin uh, not all that long after we spoke. And it, uh, for whatever reason, my listening experience was just a little different. And I'm like, no, this, this really is kind of like, you know, I mean, it's still got the Kirby Crackle bones to it. It's just through maybe a slightly different prism. And it, uh, yeah. and, and again, as I, as I said, it, it definitely, uh, resonated with me. Um, so yeah, so that's, um, so that's, that's the new record. That's, uh, kind of the, the new hotness that's, uh, that's out and about currently. Um, but man, uh, you know, like, uh, like I mentioned at the top and, you know, bearing the lead kind of seems to be my, uh, <laughs> kind of seems to be my style, but we've, uh, okay. we're just talking, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all, uh, conversational and just, uh, just having fun with friends. But, uh, we, we do have two, uh, pretty significant milestones that we need to discuss. Uh, uh, first of all, we have coming up, uh, you know, it's, it's getting to be Emerald City Comic Con season again. So that means there is a there is a crackle in the air and it is time for a fest. Uh, crackle Fest nine is indeed going to hit uh, Hard Rock Seattle on Friday, March 15th during Emerald City Comic Con weekend. And it's a it is a stacked lineup this year and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So let's um, let's take a second before we kind of get into the, the 10th anniversary commemoration kind of a, of. Kirby Crackle and Nerd Rock. Let's talk about what fans have to look forward to uh, coming up during Crackle Fest Nine. 
Totally, man. So Crackle Fest 9, uh, if you can't tell, it's the ninth Crackle Fest happening on March 15th, uh, only a few blocks away from Emerald City Comic Con. Um, Hard Rock keeps letting us do this, and I keep saying, okay. Um, we built a great relationship with them over the past nine years. Uh, at this point, I think being one of the few mom-and-pop events within such a close proximity to the convention center, so I really appreciate their loyalty to independent music and, and the big party we try to throw every year. Uh, this year, we got Word Burglar, who is a nerdcore, uh, nerd rap artist from Halifax, Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. which I just love saying aloud every time. Because <laughs> I think when the founders of hip-hop uh, started their thing, I don't think some white dude from Halifax making it happen was mm-hmm. on their radar. And I just love that that exists. Uh, and he's phenomenal, and I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. Um, and I'm uh, so excited to have Sean uh, John Berg out. Mm-hmm. And the mighty Mega Thruster from Portland. Um, let me see, like 2015, I think, they did their first show opening up for Kirby Crackle when we did our Sounds Like You tour, uh, 2013. Ah. And um, that was at uh, Things From Another World in Portland. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fan. And Chris and the crew, they're coming up. And I'm really excited to have them be a part of it as well. Yeah, they're uh, both of those are great. I mean, it's like I've uh, you know gotten to be really good w- uh, good friends with Chris recently. You know, it's like I've helped him uh, promote a couple kickstarters and some other um, appearances. They're uh, they're going to be doing uh, NorwestCon um, again awesome. uh, coming up in the future as they did last year. So that's uh, um, so super stoked for those guys. They they just kind of seem like they're they're really kind of hitting their stride. And you know, Sean's stuff with what what he's doing with work. Burglar, I, I don't know. I just, you know, it, it hits all of those '80s kids nostalgia feels. Like I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm really grooving on his uh, Cobra Island uh, record currently, and I just, uh, you know, be, being a uh, Joe kid, I, you know, I, it's, it's just, it's just really cool. And I think I, I like that musical dynamic, you know, where it's like, you know, in in past Crackle Fest, it's, um, you know, some. Sometimes it's been more of a nerdcore show. Other times it's been kind of folksy singer songwriter e. Uh, other times it's been straight rock. And I like this fusion, you know, of you know uh, hitting the ground running with some uh, great nerdcore jams, and then getting into the you know uh, acoustic uh, nerd rock super super duo from uh, from Mega Thruster, and then of course uh, the uh, uh, newly revamped Kirby Crackle kind of bringing down the house. That's uh, that's rad. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Yeah, we, I try to keep it fresh every year. Some years we have comedy. Some years we've had burlesque, uh, some years we've done yep. an auction, and I just try to keep it new and, and think like, okay, who, who, I always start like, what's my, the biggest dream of what this could be, mm-hmm. and then I see who's available, and then we work back from there, <laughs> but, uh, everyone, but everyone was available, so I feel really good about this year, um, yeah. and it just feels, you know, the more we do it, the more it becomes a smooth running machine, and, you know, we have you hosting this year, which I'm so mm-hmm. thankful about. Um, that gives me time to chill a little bit yeah. more and kind of get my head on right before I play. And you're great at that. And yeah. I'm excited to see you do that. And, uh, you know, I just, I like that it's like kind of a big convergence of what I feel is like a tradition at this point for a lot of people. Uh, we do specialty drinks that are kind yeah. of, uh, themed winks to what's happening in pop culture at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's in a lot of ways, kind of our flagship show of the year, kind of kicking off the year because when I go to these shows out of town you know you're flying out with your band and 
and they rent you gear and it's usually pretty cool, but this is the one show where pretty much, you know, uh, you know, uh, of course when you make plans, God laughs, but, uh, yeah. you can control <laughs> as much of it as you can at this show. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like where we have our lights and we can kind of bring the, the big kid stuff out. And, um, I really look forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun, and um, it, it's cool that it's been kind of baked into the fabric of Emerald City Comic Con. Also, you know, it's their, yeah. uh, you know, it's th- their names on the on the poster. You know, uh, uh, done by Caleb, um, wh- who uh, who will be on the show next week. Uh, by the way, did a did a really cool interview with him. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, you know, so it's you know, Emerald City Comic Con presenting a Night of Nerd Rock at. Uh, Crackle Fest 9. Again, that is going to be Friday, March 15th. Uh, doors are at 8. Uh, show is at 8.30. And um, uh, advance tickets are 15 bucks. Uh, save a buck or two. Get them in advance because um, uh, they're 18 at the door. Um, so don't miss out on that uh, on that pre-sale. And, you know, as, uh, as you know, Comic-Con weekend is always expensive. I mean, shoot, Kirby Crackle has a has a song about it. But um yeah, you know, just sa- saving those couple bucks here and there is uh yeah, is definitely definitely a good way to go. And I I I know we had some uh, a discussion about the the set time and you know, it, it's interesting with it with it being a uh, 21 plus crowd up in the cavern room. You know, it's like, you know, we kind of get a break from the kiddos, uh, you know, kicking around uh, during Comic-Con. And I've always viewed Crackle Fest is like, you know, an opportunity to just kind of decompress after a hard day on the convention floor because it's only a block or two away uh, from the convention center. So I look at it as like a brisk walk, you know, kind of clear my head a little bit and yeah, just, uh, you know, sit down with uh, nerd rock fans from literally all over the world because a lot of folks uh, travel uh, to the show and are really looking forward to it. In fact, I, I've already uh, had some correspondence with some folks that'll that'll be traveling and they're uh, um, really excited. So it's it's awesome, man. It's all it's always just a great scene, and I just uh, I just like it. But anyway, I I, I kind of got myself off track a little bit. I I like having the set a little earlier because it kind of splits the difference between when the, the convention ends closes for the night. Um, Mm -hmm. but we're not going so late into the early morning. Uh, because I mean, again, there, there's a lot of four day pass folks out there and got a lot of conventioning to do. And, and yeah, as a, as a, uh, a person that's just recently, uh, crossed a milestone birthday, I think, uh, I think getting, getting in bed, maybe just a little earlier might, uh, might be a good choice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm almost at that milestone birthday myself and we're talking the same language yeah. and, and, you know, and, and it's like, I, I heard from someone that kind of like, you know, woke me up quick the other days like, Hey, I'm coming to your first crackle fest. I'm just old enough now. I'm like, Oh, and like, yeah, I started listening to you when I was 12. And I said, oh, okay, yes, we will see you there. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of new 21-year-olds coming. So uh, excited about that. That's amazing. I never thought of that. But, yeah, you're right because, you know, <laughs> we, we we talked earlier with in contrast to the new stuff, but with, like, a lot of the, you know, uh, older stuff, a lot of folks are still discovering it for the first time. And, that, and that's what the cool yeah. part about it being out there. And... And it's so interesting, like, you know, I, I've connected with uh, Crackleheads, you know, both, uh, you know, just starting out and longtime veterans that, 
you know, it it uh it, it's just amazing how this type of music has a uh, even though it's in kind of like in the pop culture moment, it does kind of seem to have an evergreen texture to it. Like, you know, who's who's not going to dig on a song about Mega Man? You know, that that kind of thing. There's yeah. there's a lot of things that just stick with you and and folks are still continuing to discover it. And and I just think that's rad. Yeah, I feel very, very, very fortunate with that. So, um, yeah, excited to to do that. And, and last year, like and then random people show up every time. Like last year, yeah. Seattle's uh, vigilante Phoenix Jones ran up to me right before I went on stage and said he was a fan. And that's not what I was expecting. Right. But uh, that, was, that was really cool. And it was fun to, to meet him. And I wish I could have talked more. I was like literally walking up. Uh, but that was really fun. And, um, and, uh, yeah, just different things happen every year and, mm-hmm. and it gets a little looser and everyone gets a little older and it's just a little, it's just a good time. Exactly. Um, so we talked about the bands. We talked about the, uh, awesome drink specials, which never disappoint. Um, anything in particular that you would like to tease, uh, that perhaps we can expect, uh, during Crackle Fest nine this year? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So one of my favorite parts of Crackle Fest is the big cover palooza at the end of the night. It's the only time we really play covers. We we do an encore that's always a grouping of songs that are always a surprise. And uh, we've done everything from, we see Don't Stop Believing to One Year Bohemian Rhapsody to Living on a Prayer where I couldn't hit the high note. That was funny. And then... <laughs> um, Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charmed Life, all these different songs. And I was thinking, like, we did all the big heavy hitters, but, oh, no, there's one more. And I'm really excited about this. And we've got a fun medley happening, and that's all I can say about that. Uh, But we're working hard to do it justice currently. Ah, very good. I'm really excited because I know sometimes – uh, within the set, it gets uh, gets on the somber side. You know, there, there's there been a lot of times where Kirby Crackle has done amazing, incredible tributes to artists that have passed throughout the year, and that always gets up the feels. Um yeah, I mean that I I you know the hair on my arm just stood up a little bit when uh uh when you guys were doing the Chris Cornell stuff and uh yeah it it would be kind of nice to you know maybe have uh have some stuff on the uh on the lighter funner side as well. Yeah, it's like every year we've like done tributes to people that have passed but I don't think I mean as far as I know no big artists that we would rock have passed this year and so this is just a little zanier and uh and fun but yeah that Chris Cornell song um, as hitting the field as it was for me too. That oh, was yeah. really fun. Like when we when we went into that song, I could feel the room change when we did. Oh and yeah, it was it was trippy. It was cool. Oh yeah, well, and and the uh, uh, cranberry stuff too. It's just uh, yeah. Mm. I mean, it was just it was just it was it was um, the only way I could describe the the vibe was uh, you know it was thick. It was palatable, uh, palpable, and yeah, it was, cool. it was it was it was definitely a shared moment uh, for all of us in uh, in that scene. So, uh, but again, you you never know what's going to happen at a at a Kirby Crackle show, and especially at Crackle Fest where you know basically all the it's it's all unleashed um you know you never know what uh what types of uh, uh decorations and totems are going to get broken and what kind of shenanigans are going to be <laughs> yeah. up on stage uh r.i.p yeah. Dwayne. Yeah. i'm gonna pour one out there but uh 
Yeah, Dwayne, for those of you who don't know, Dwayne was a big foam skull that I've had that we put on top of our bass cab. And uh, we did Let's Go Crazy by Prince at the end. And uh, Charlie from H2 Awesome just ripped it apart. And it was the best thing that could have happened to him. Uh, Both Charlie and the skull. I'm talking, no. uh, Yes. It was was, was pretty funny. And I just started dying laughing, and it was just one of those things that I, I look forward to, those guys always being a part of it, and just those those moments in general. Definitely. So, so again, that's, uh, that's going to be Cracklefest 9. That's going to be coming up uh, Friday, March 15th during Emerald City Comic Con weekend. Um, advanced tickets are on sale now, 15 bucks in advance, 18 day of show and at the door. Uh, KirbyCrackleMusic.com is a, a good depot to uh, find more information about that. Um, again, that's going to be an incredible set uh, featuring Word Burglar, Mega Thruster, and of course, uh, the Pioneers of of Nerd Rock Kirby Crackle and hosted by myself, the Mike Cyber Radio Podcast. Uh, so we'd we'd love to see you out there. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And tell your friends and bring some friends. It's uh, again, I I I think I kind of lean too hard on the elbow, you know, just kind of trying to uh, get folks excited about it. But it really is a fun time, and you will not be disappointed. Yeah, we want people to be, you know, in, in a world of competing with Netflix and Spotify and everything and a bunch oh, yeah. of reasons to not leave your house, uh, live music, I think a lot of people are still discovering its power who maybe didn't grow up with it. And, and those are the people that I know would have a great time. Yeah, definitely. And actually, um, let's let's talk for just a quick sec on kind of where... I don't know where where we feel the state of pop culture is because I feel like we're we're definitely in a different place than we were ten years ago, but I think we're even in a different place than just um, a year ago. Um, how how do you feel about like the the state of nerd culture and by extension nerd music and and just kind of like the pop culture in general? Good question, man. Um, I would agree with you. I, I think definitely different than 10 years ago, definitely different from a year ago. And, and someone who's being, someone who's involved very closely with it and constantly for better, or for worse, needing to pivot with where it's going yeah. both in trends, but also in business as how comic cons change. I sometimes feel like I'm too close to it to give an accurate viewpoint. Um, but I, I always feel like I have a clear view once kind of the the convention scene dies down between September and now mm-hmm. is I think that comics blew up and took over the world and movies took over the world. Sure. And I think we all became one big family and I think we are still all one big family, but I think there's maybe again, the segmenting of tribes maybe starting again only because there's so much to consume. Yeah, you can't be on top of everything as much as we want to. And I've tried for a long time, mm-hmm. and only recently, I'd say, in the past year, have I acknowledged, okay, maybe just this isn't for me due to how many hours in the day there are. Right, and that's challenging because if you're like me, I want to just take it all in and be down with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I feel like we've seen a lot of comic cons rise to the point of. Inaccessibility, not for fans, but for maybe people in my position who have done cons for years that uh-huh. were maybe charging $800, $800 for a booth, and now it's 3500 for a booth. Um, right. And maybe everyone's business model 
isn't sustainable Mm -hmm. with attending all of those shows again. So again, it's kind of becoming a little more pick and choose. Uh, You see people that have run the same conventions for the past 10 years in the past two years start to sell them to big conglomerates. Absolutely. So, I, so I mean, now, shoot, we, we've even seen that here locally. You know, we've uh, seen that here locally, correct. Yeah, I mean, Emerald City Comic Con started off as, you know, a homegrown local thing, uh, you know, birthed out of uh, the back room of a comic shop. And now it's, you know, now now it's exploded and is corporate and is is huge. Um, and I think Emerald City, more than maybe some of the other mega shows, still kind of keeps that that um, connection to comics and the comics community. I mean, like, I, I love what they've done with Artist Alley, you know, it, with that being up on the sixth floor like that. It reminds me yeah. of the way the show used to be. It's like, you know, I could yeah. just bypass all of like, you know, the celebrity, uh, you know, photo stuff and all the exhibitors. And I'm like, this is where I want to be just, you know, with the creators and the creators that I've spoken to really dig it because like, you know, yeah. they, they've they've done, you know, like San Diego and things like that and feel like they're kind of consigned to a ghetto. And, uh, you know, their words, not mine, but, <laughs> but no, that, that, you know, it feels like it's, it's still a vibrant scene and it's, it's very encouraging in what is really, I guess, what we would consider a mega show at this point. Yeah, it's a mega show. It's C2E2, New York yeah. Comic Con. I mean, and it's, and for me, I think it's definitely been a challenge. Um, you know, change is the only constant, as we know, which is easier said than absorbed a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and figuring out where I still fit in the mega show situation. Right. Um, where, you know, I don't attend all the shows that I used to. Um, but what I find myself enjoying more is kind of the shows that, if, if you want to say like, you know, C2E2 and New York Comic Con, Emerald City, who are now mega shows, maybe five years ago, six years ago, they were kind of in the 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 bright ringing stage of still accessible, but definitely growing. Yeah. Um, now I feel like the little shows during that time are in that place now that those shows were five years ago, if that makes sense. So yeah. that's personally where I've been putting my energy, where I feel like, okay, there are people here that want to find creators like you're talking about and talk with artists, not just get a picture with Jason Momoa. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. For, and there's room for everybody. But I think for people like me, we've had to take a hard look of what works in sustaining our life in the way that has always worked before and what mm-hmm. has needed to change. So it's been big changes for a lot of us. Yeah, and, and the models are always in a state of flux, like you were saying. It's like, you know, the the old norms are kind of giving away to new normals, and it's uh, it, it could be a really tricky adjustment at times. Uh, yes, yes. So, yeah, so so with that, let's uh, let's turn back the hands of time and uh there's there's been a couple milestones that that you've uh celebrated recently uh the uh 10 year anniversary of the self-titled uh debut album from Kirby Crackle and you um uh recently you published a blog on uh on your website kirbycracklemusic.com uh just kind of kind of kind of reflecting and waxing philosophically about uh 
about that milestone and it uh uh yeah i i hit you on twitter with this but it uh it kind of kind of welled me up a little bit i was like it just it it just kind of resonated in a way that uh maybe i wasn't anticipating but it it um yeah, it was it was an interesting reflection. So I was wondering if uh, we could use that as a springboard to kind of talk about the tenth anniversary of Kirby Crackle. Yeah, man. And again, thanks for connecting with that. Um, I wrote that blog because I, I guess not. I guess I know for me it's important that I just don't present all the shiny things. Yeah, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I think we don't talk about that enough. People don't talk about challenging places in their relationships or challenging places about parenting. People don't talk about mental health enough. And these are things that we all have going on, but why are there things that we don't talk about? You know, and that mm-hmm. has always seemed insane to me and more insane as, as life goes on. So, you know, hopefully I'm not painting a picture to people who haven't read the blog about it was depressing. I don't think it was. I think it was no. like these awesome things have happened, but also these other things have happened mm-hmm. and they're all a real piece of the puzzle that is the thing that I do and reflecting on what has worked, what I wish has worked better, where I want to go, where I sometimes don't know where I want to go, but that's okay. And maybe that's how we all feel a lot of the time. And so if people connect with that, I just want people to know like, Hey man, like everyone's doing this. I mean, I, it, this having 10 years in this band mm-hmm. and having the great experiences that I've had and the challenges that I've had have given me a whole new reflection on my heroes as I've yeah. grown up in music and, and what is seen as uh, fame or partial fame or celebrity or whatever people attribute to their favorite actors or musicians that a lot of it is awesome. And a lot of it is smoke and mirrors and a lot of stuff is stuff you wouldn't know about. You know what I mean? So if you think, for example, hey, this guy opened up for Weird Al and he did Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack for the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And, and back in the day when I would read that, I would think like, this person's got it all. They've got it all. What else do they want? Like they made it. But then living those things and then knowing that real life and the challenges of those things are still happening at the same time. Yeah. I think it's been greatly influential to me to have that grace with myself to know mm-hmm. like, hey, this is something everyone's constantly trying to figure out. But the important thing is you keep going. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, as as we uh, touched on earlier, you know, it's like uh, yourself, like any other artist, like any other adult human person, you know, you've gone through like changes and developments. I mean, it's like, you know, you're a new dad and I'm sure that that influences your outlook on things. And yeah, it, it's interesting how folks you know, uh, how you end up just not being in the same place that you were when you started a particular journey. Yeah. And that, and that it's okay. And I think yeah. I'm someone who's just oh, beginning to get okay with that, you know, cause sure. I think there's a lot of, we spoke about earlier. It's like, okay, what's the next ring capacity? What's that? Mm-hmm. You know, but also it's like acknowledging that it's okay. You did that. And now there's something else. You will always have that. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Chris Cornell again, and, and maybe we said this in another place, but I always mm-hmm. think it, it, it deserves repeating that of course, before he passed, one of the great interviews he did was he said, you know, whether it's Soundgarden or my acoustic stuff or the weird thing that even now I think is weird that I did with Timbaland, you know, <laughs> he goes, I, I have to acknowledge that all these things are me and I have to, acknowledge that that's part of the bigger picture because 
you know, I've been hearing it from my uncle who is a musician for the past 40 years from the seventies to now. And it's not about the goal. It's about the journey. And, and only now I think am I starting to even begin to clue into that of, of being okay with that and believing that. Right. Um, so let's, uh, you know, since, since we're kind of, uh, uh, knee deep in those fields, you know, and I, and I'm sure you've talked about it in many other places, probably this place included, but maybe reflect back a little bit and maybe kind of tell us a little bit of the abridged version of the origin story of Kirby Crackle. Like, you know, how did, how did you and Jim specifically kind of get this crazy thing going back in the day? Yeah, so uh, for people that don't know, Jim Demonakos, uh, a friend of mine, and he started Kirby Crackle with me and then left in 2013. So for the first uh, three, four records, uh, he and I were making it happen, doing 12 conventions a year uh, between 2009 and 2013. Um, we had been friends for a long time. I had a band for a long time called Layman's Terms uh, from 13 to, say, 24 and that broke up and I needed to kind of put my energy back into something that made me happy. And that was comics. And I'd read comics forever, like from like eight years old until 20. And then I was loosely aware of what was going on, but I was also a hundred percent laser focused on rock and roll with my then band and rediscovering comics to me was such a joy. Um, and also meeting Jim and, and his then business partner, Brian Meredith, who's also a good friend of mine. And just kind of having the energy and the time of my life again to really delve deep into all these graphic novels and, and basically be like Dr. Strange when he went to the school, like, teach me, what do I need to know, right? Like, <laughs> like they pointed me the right stuff that I've missed <laughs> for years. Yep. And, and, then, and then I was thinking one day, I was like, well, why has no one done music about this? And, and though there has been a Weezer and there was Diesel and people that have done nerdy sure. themed as far as I was aware of, besides Weezer doing, for example, in the garage, like I got a 12-sided die, I got Nightcrawler on the wall, stuff like that, I wasn't aware of anyone doing songs that were from the perspective, uh, other than like Ukla the Mock for a little bit. Oh, of, sure, yeah. Of your, of your favorite comic characters, but not only doing it as like a wink and a laugh, but going deep into the field of what is that character about and how do you get to that in like, you know, three minutes and 50 seconds, for mm -hmm. example, uh, in pop song format. And not only that, but then how do you make it appealing to people that don't know anything about the thing or anything mm -hmm. about Mario Kart? Like what are the themes of, of, you know, trying to get ahead in Mario Kart, looking behind you, worried what's behind you, worried what's in front of you. And hopefully that can connect with people. So the goal is to have people identify with these songs first as songs and then if you were a nerd and knew what I was talking about, to have it be this deeper relationship. So we recorded the self-titled record. It was me in my room on GarageBand. He and I wrote it in like, <laughs> you know, a month. Mm -hmm. And I just did it all. It was all computer drums. It was just me playing everything. And didn't really know what would happen, but there was not a lot of money invested into it. Right. And not a lot of uh, expectation other than this is just a big unknown. Uh, and so it came out the weekend of New York City Comic Con. We debuted at New York City Comic Con, mm -hmm. and we toured the Marvel offices. And a big deal was Joe Casada asking if he could tweet about it. We met him, and that sent a lot of people to our booth mm -hmm. in 2009 at NYCC who wouldn't have known about us otherwise. And then stuff just you know built from there. So yeah. that's kind of 
that's kind of what was going on. He wanted to do something with music and I wanted to do something with comics and, and my skill set and, and his experience in the comics world are what came together to start it. Yeah, you know, I, I saw that you had reposted uh, that picture of you and Jim at that first New York Comic Con, and, and again, y'all look like babies. <laughs> it it threw me uh, off. No, so we're, we are physically broken now, but that's what 10 years of, of conventions does for you. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw Jim uh, maybe two years ago, and he had like, you know, like this giant snowy beard, and I think I saw him maybe a year ago, and he had, he had uh, trimmed it off, and I was like... Wow, I mean, it's like then. Then he started looking like the like the gym. I remembered, uh, you know, buying comics from him at the at the comic stop back in the day. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was just a trip. You know, it's like I I'm not necessarily acquainted uh, with Jim anymore. All you know, it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a wink and a nod. Well, not even a wink, but like a nod. You know, it's like at the end of Chasing Amy when you see like your buddy across uh, a room and you see it, you make eye contact, you nod, and then you just kind of you just kind of move along so um yeah but yeah no it's uh i mean you, you guys had some uh, uh really cool success and it's developed into uh what we now know is uh as kirby crackle and this whole um you know conversation about nerd music and i think um you know we, we've had a lot of conversations on this show and with several other artists as well is that i i consider nerd music to be not so much a genre as it is a community right you know it's like you've got you know you've got you know singer songwriters uh the folksier side you've got nerdcore rappers and you've got nerd rockers like yourself and it's all kind of under that umbrella and we're all just kind of cool in a way that you don't necessarily see um, with that that cohabitation of what I guess some could construe as cross genre type music, but it's all it's all just nerd music, man. Yeah, it's fun, and it's like and the you know the Venn diagram of appeal I think is <laughs> is more accessible yeah. between nerd rock and silk and nerd chords and your songwriter stuff, where I don't think it's like that for a lot of other music. So it's. I mean, it's even the way it works within what I do. It's like I, I would send my stuff to record companies for years when I was younger, and when I would hear back, is always the same thing. Cool, good stuff. Please let me know when you decide on a certain genre, right? Because I would send acoustic stuff and, like, real hard stuff or maybe a little bit of hip-hop. Yeah. And that makes sense, right, because they want a package. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I've only become aware of this in the past couple of years, but what nerd music has allowed me to do is to do whatever I want genre wise yeah as long as i'm talking about what i want to talk about which is positivity and mm-hmm. comics and love and and us just going through this big crazy planet spinning through space together and i think that's what most people do in this community that's what most people write about mm-hmm. and so it's it just keeps it fresh i think for everybody yeah, I I completely agree. And you know, now that we're here at the uh 10th anniversary commemoration, you know, of uh Kirby Crackle and and really kind of uh uh forerunners of the nerd rock nerd music movement, um let's uh I guess let's talk about the future and talk about what uh what we can look forward to on the horizon. Yeah, man. Um, so it's the tenth year anniversary. We got uh, currently uh, working with a cool graphic design company in Seattle to kind of 
get some cool new graphics and rebranding going on. So I'm excited about that. Nice. Um, I'm excited to present that at Crackle Fest 9 uh, with the first merch available ever of this new kind of style uh, visually oh. that I'm working on. Um, so I'm excited about that. Keeps it fresh for me. Keeps it fresh for uh, the community. And, um, you know, I don't know if we've talked about this before, you and me privately, but one of the things of, of turning 10 years in the blog that I wrote is what the expectation of 10 years down the line would look like. Yeah. Right? So, for example, a lot of times when people have like a 10 year anniversary concert, maybe then it's sold out at Key Arena or something like that. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, obviously that's not the place that I'm at. And But still, I think it's um, worth celebrating in terms of me feeling good about what I do and also the fans feeling good that they have been around that long and kind of recognizing their efforts and their input over the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be putting together some fun, different merch items that I've never done. um, uh, that kind of chronicle the life of Kirby crackle to this point, looking to put some very one of a kind events on to kind of celebrate this. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of starting with crackle fest nine. So I'm excited to see what can happen. That's really exciting. Now, uh, so this is uh, Crackle Fest 9, and we're really excited for that coming up on uh, Friday, March 15th at Hard Rock Seattle. Again, just a, a couple blocks away from the Washington State Convention Center, home of Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, but looking ahead, um, there's, uh, you know, we're in the 10th anniversary of Kirby Crackle. Um can we get even like the smallest hint of a smidge of a tease for what perhaps we might be able to look forward to in Crackle Fest 10, which will actually be the culmination, I guess, if you will, of this uh, uh, 10 year anniversary uh, celebration of Kirby Crackle. Okay. A slight tease on that is um, let's just say Crackle Fest 10 might not be happening so long out as this time next year as usually and traditionally happening. Hmm. Let the speculation begin, dear listener. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, uh, Kyle, this has been a an absolute blast and a treat uh, getting uh, caught up. And, you know, as I said at the top, you're my favorite guest. I just, I, I appreciate our conversations. Um, I, and I just enjoy uh, sharing uh, the stories and, you know, it's, it's weird because like, if you look, listen to all of our interviews, there's always like this, this path of introspective reflection that kind of seems to find its way into this, uh, this goofy nerd music promotion that we're trying to do and I I I always love it. So I I always looking I always look forward uh to welcoming you on the show and you're you're always welcome uh whenever you have something that you would like to uh talk about or promote or or any of that other cool fun stuff. Thank you brother. I, I really appreciate that and I really appreciate you being an ally for what I do um for all these years and a friend and I'm excited for people to see the great job that you're going to do as the host of Craggle Fest. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I I hope to uh, not disappoint the Crackleheads because it's 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 gonna it's going to be an interesting um, uh, feel going from fan to host. 
you know, while still being a fan, because that that's I mean, that's always been on Front Street. It's like I come to this as a fan first and then as a, you know, a broadcasting personality kind of second. That's always been kind of like second to me. It's like I just love this stuff and I like talking about it and sharing it and encouraging my friends to participate in it as well. So that's uh, so again, I'm really looking forward to hosting and I'm uh, definitely appreciative of uh of the opportunity. So, um, uh, Kyle Stevens, uh, Kirby Crackle, Mastermind, uh, before we part ways for now, uh, because we could easily sit and talk, uh, talk for hours, but I think, uh, there's, uh, <laughs> as, as the, uh, as our younger friends like to say, um, adulting is, uh, is, <laughs> is, is afoot. Um, could you let folks know where they can connect with Kirby Crackle on social media and how to, connect with all things nerd music yes sir so um the big hub for kirby crackle is kirbycracklemusic.com there you will find all our social links uh you can find all our videos uh you can find a link to my patreon page mm-hmm. which i've been doing now for it's going to be five years in august which wow. is crazy uh which means about 90 something songs that have been exclusive to patreon fans so you can almost say that's about seven albums yeah. of everything from 8-bit music to weird covers to crazy instrumentals or, or ukulele jams. Um, it's just kind of like a musical blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, four bucks a month. If people want to check that out, they can do that. Uh, Patreon.com slash Kirby Crackle. You can find me on Instagram at Kyle Stevens, Twitter at Kirby Crackle, and Facebook at Kirby Crackle Music. Uh, and... Um, yeah, yeah, going to be doing a lot of new streaming stuff in the new year mm-hmm. and just trying to uh, connect with more people to educate uh, as Nerd Rock uh, as your dual role as both secretary and bishop now, <laughs> I have to say. I, I love it. I love it. And uh, and just as a note, I mean, you already know because you see it in the show notes and everything else that, that we tweet and post about, uh, all of the Kirby's and all of the Crackles are all with K's. Kirby with a K, Crackle with a K, just a just point of reference there. And I just, uh, you know, I I know, Kyle, we were we were winding down, but I just thought of one stray thought uh, that that I wanted to touch on very briefly. Uh, I uh, I I went to the movies not too long ago and had uh, uh, the opportunity to see uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And yeah. and it was uh you know my favorite movie of 2018 just you know revolutionary blew blew me away blew away all my expectations but um, sharpshoot me on this if uh, if you would is that movie uh, maybe the uh, best if not first true representation of uh kirby crackle is like a you know the the actual classic jack kirby kirby dots um on screen because like i keep waiting for like these these you know the big marvel movies and all that and i've never really seen a satisfactory satisfactory representation of those crackling dots you know you know to indicate crackling energy and stuff what uh what'd you think about that i agree i think that's the most satisfying visual we've seen of it. I know they did it in Thor Ragnarok as well, just a little bit at the end, but mostly in the graphics oh, uh, with the yeah. kind of 80s logo. But yeah. it was very subtle. and the movie, it was very subtle, but it wasn't just this bubbling, crazy, crackly mm-hmm. mess like in uh, Spider-Verse. So, yeah, I think that's the, the, the first full-on effort 
uh, that's been put into it that was taken as seriously. And and that movie to me, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to compare it to Avatar because that opens up a whole other thing that people are like, what's this guy talking about? But <laughs> go with me in a second. Go with me for sure. A second. Is that that movie? I think just crushed expectation and knocked people over the head. Yep. In the vein of what did I just see that I personally hadn't felt since Avatar or Mad Max. I, I agree with you, and I think both of those uh, comparisons are very apt because much like with uh, Avatar, it kind of Spider-Verse kind of sort of came out of nowhere. It's like even even the trailers didn't really give an inkling of what this movie was going to be. I was just excited to, you know, see uh, Miles Morales have a prominent leading role. I was there for that, but then what I got, it's just like, oh, th- this is this is game changing. And again, not yeah, not unlike the way uh, uh, Avatar and uh, Ad Mad Max were. I mean, those are those are brilliant comparisons. And how and how cool is that? That in the in a world of we know everything and everything about everything before it comes out, mm-hmm. we can still be surprised if only because they didn't have the budget to put into it or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, please, people doing more awesome stuff with less PR budget so we can have these conversations. Absolutely, because, yeah, I I think (laughs) that that is one of the things that made that so special is just how surprising it was. And, uh, and man, I I could talk to you for hours about that movie. I already talked to uh, one of my friends, uh, Andrea, uh, from my KGRG days. We did a whole two-hour podcast about it, and I I could talk for for many, many more hours because there's there's just so much to unpack there. I'm, I'm really anxious and excited for when it comes out on home video so I could go back and oh. and re-experience it over and over again because that's that that's one of those ones that I think once it gets into even more people's hands it's going to become yep. that much more special because I think a lot of folks maybe kind of dismissed it a bit during its theatrical run and will probably discover it on video and through word of mouth and and yeah it's just uh yeah, I I can't say enough uh positive about that movie Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and and yeah, I I, I didn't mean to tangent us too terribly much, but yeah, it just I I oh, was please. just I was just thinking about that because that that's um that's folded into the origin and story of Kirby Crackle as a band, right? You know, it's it's you know, it's taking direct uh um, homage from that arc technique of uh, Jack Kirby, yeah. you know, drawing those those bubbles and those dots, and you know, representing that crackling energy. And yeah, it's it, and yeah. and it is interesting though. And I just I caught myself. Sorry to interrupt, but I just you know I I, I find myself when I when I refer to uh, Kirby Crackle as an art technique, I have to I I have to uh, walk it back a bit. I'm like, oh, not not. Not the nerd rock band that I'm always talking about, like actual the actual <laughs> dots, <laughs> and and it like yeah. it takes me an extra sec to just organize it in my own brain. That's funny, man. Yeah, I, I you know, once that it's going to become required owning for people with a badass 4K TV mm. or a great sound system, it's gonna it's gonna look so great. And uh, you know, a little bit of Easter egg action that people haven't seen online is a big part of the art direction of that movie was done from the samples that longtime Kirby Crackle cover artist Jim Mafood provided to them. I did not know that. 
That's awesome. Yeah, now think of that. Oh, see, now 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 I got to go find a theater that's playing it so I can watch it again cuz I mean, I mean that uh, you know, the graffiti street art aesthetic plays yep. very heavily into it and now I'm just kind of trying to work this puzzle and trying to see did I see some of uh see some food one in there? Um hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so check I, out if you look at a uh, Jim Mafood food one on Instagram. Go back a couple months, and he posted a lot of the art concepts that he provided to them. And actually, at the end of the Spider Verse book, mm-hmm. he's featured in that as well, with a lot of just the long legs and just the kind of weird surreal graffiti esque hip hop neon yeah. urban stylings that he does. I mean, his his stamp is all over that. That's awesome. I I love it. And yeah. again, you know, t- just uh, to give fans another reason to go check out that movie and to you know really groove on on Jim's stuff. I'm, dude, I'm down with that. Yep, he's awesome. Yep, definitely. So, um, so as we close out, um, any uh, any particular? Uh, well, actually, first, is there anything that we want to mention or promote that we haven't yet? I don't think so, man. I think we covered a lot of stuff, and, and thankfully so. We got March 15th, uh, Crackle Fest 9, 10th anniversary. Be on the lookout mm-hmm. for all the new stuff happening this year. Uh, people can join the email, actually, at kirbycracklemusic.com, right there on the opening page. And that's uh, still uh, the best way to get a hold of people, I feel. It doesn't matter if you're looking at the Internet at a certain time on Twitter. If you have an email, it's always going to be there. Perfect. I love that. And that's a great way to end things. Uh, Kyle Stevens, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And we are definitely looking forward to Crackle Fest 9 uh, coming up on Friday, March 15th. It's uh, it's going to be great. Thanks, man. We'll see you there. All right. Sounds good. All right, let's close things out with one of my favorite Kirby Crackle songs to hear live. But first, I want to let you know that the march towards Crackle Fest 9 continues next week with guest Caleb Golner. Uh, he did the poster art for the last few Crackle Fest shows and tons more. He's a massively interesting dude. You're going to love my interview with him. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I also want to let you know in the coming weeks after that, both Word Burglar and Mega Thruster will also be guests on the podcast, respectively. You won't want to miss any of that. Tons of nerd rock coming your way and celebration of the nerd culture. Again, as we hurdle towards Crackle Fest 9 and Emerald City Comic Con weekend. For my guest, Kyle Stevens, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for these 200 episodes. Here's to hundreds more. Up next is the leadoff track from Kirby Crackle's fifth album, Mutate Baby. This is The Day My Powers Arrived. And until next time, make good choices. A year ago I woke up in the morning, put my feet upon the ground. Tied my shoes to take a run Headphones in and swimming in the sound My walk, it quickly turned into a stride A day like any other Except for on this day My powers did arrive I yelled out loud.
voices rang loud from the crashing of the cars. Just when I was sure that I would burn, the heroes I had read about showed I'm so glad that they found me first and said, I know you're scared and unprepared. You're not the only one, I swear, who's ever been afraid or felt this way. There's a plan for you And everything you're going through I'll stay with you, my friend As long as it takes Six months back I woke up to A rumbling jet Sounds beneath me Cigar smoke and sulfur loon A brown-haired girl She ran right I should heed the call, but darling was already not at all. Then the big steel man was standing over me. Said nothing good would change until I took a stand that I would never see. He said, I know you're scared and unprepared. You're not the only one, I swear, who's ever been afraid or fair. This way, I know that there's a plan for you, and everything you're going through. I'll stay with you, my friend, as long as it takes. That a girl grew 30 feet inside a shopping mall I flew here as quickly as I could Cause I know how you feel In a way that no one could When the voices come at night Remind yourself that you're made of starlight And the worries in your head Are the drums of a life that you're gonna have We're all just scared and unprepared I know you're scared and unprepared You're not the only one, I swear Who's ever been afraid or felt this way I know that there's a plan for you And everything you're going through I'll stay with you, my friend I'll stay with you, my friend I'll stay with you, my friend As long as it takes And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to listen to my past episodes, including all of my KGRG College radio shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, the Stitcher Radio app, Apple Podcasts, and on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. 
Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MikeSybertRadio and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And again, that spelling is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, just the way it sounds. Join us Friday, March 15th at Hard Rock Seattle for Cracklefest 9 featuring Word Burglar, Megathruster, and of course, the pioneers of nerd rock Kirby Crackle, I will be your host that night, and I hope to see you all out there. Emerald City Comic Con presents Cracklefest 9, A Night of Nerd Rock. For more information, including ticket info, videos, music, blogs, and more, check out KirbyCracklemusic.com. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike, and until next time, make good choices.